Welcome back to the DSO Decision. I'm your host, Brian Hanks. We are in episode 14 of 20, and we're talking all things DSOs from the perspective of the dentist. We are uh, here for the dentists uh, and firmly on the side of dentists being informed and understanding what they're doing with these deals, uh, why a DSO deal might be right, why it might not be. Um, and I'm joined uh, by my two trusty co-hosts, uh, David and Liam, attorneys extraordinaire. Da- uh, David, hello. Good to have. Good to. Uh, I was going to say good to have you. Thank you for having <laughs> us. We're we're excited to be here, and this is a, a topic that we're truly passionate about, and really excited to to talk about. Uh, I'm I'm excited to be here with you, and I don't mind being the one who is with the attorney in the room, so no problem. You can always sue me, so I, I'll defer. And then uh, Liam, uh, thanks for joining us from Miami. You're our real estate extraordinary uh, expert extraordinaire. Uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, great, great to be with you guys. Thanks. Just a reminder for listeners: um, uh, this is uh, the goal of this podcast, uh, and I, I, I harp on this a little bit, but it bears repeating: is to uh, to be a helpful resource for you guys. If you'll notice, David and Liam are attorneys. Uh, we haven't hit the name of the law firm a lot. <laughs> we haven't pitched their services. I will put a link to their contact information and their website in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, but the, the Liam and, and David are here free of charge. There's no money changing hands. I'm not paying them. They're not paying me. Uh, and um, I, I suppose there's a little bit of an expense somewhere to host this and to get it sound edited and put up. But we're doing this just so that the average uh, dentist thinking about a transition handles it with more information. Uh, the goal. So, if you guys are listening and you have found this uh, helpful and successful, the number one uh, way that you can say thank you to us is to hop into your podcatcher of choice, hit the forward button, and send this to another dentist that you know, like, and trust, and feel like could benefit from us. If you feel like it's necessary and appropriate, uh, we'd love a review on iTunes or somewhere like that uh, so that other dentists can find it. And then finally, th- third and finally, if uh, it makes sense and you wanted to reach out to one of us for help with your transition, of course, you're welcome to, but that's not the goal. The goal here is just to give you some information. Uh, so with that in mind, we're talking to dentists today who are considering a DSO sale who don't own their building. Okay, so the previous two episodes we had, uh, they own the building and they're selling it. Uh, and then episode 13, the last episode was they own the building and they're not selling it and they're leasing it back to the DSO. In this episode, uh, we're talking to dentists, a significant portion of whom, by the way, um, don't own the building. And they've been leasing as the dental practice owner. And by the way, side note, as the accountant, I love to remind those dentists that actually it's the uh, the leasing dentists who tend to retire faster. Uh, so for you guys that think real estate is the end all be all, uh, it, it can be and uh, people can do very well at it. And it's not necessary to be financially successful in your life. So that's just a, a high horse I'll get off of quickly. But, um, you know, so uh, l- let's talk about how to tee this up, um, even maybe even before they start talking to the DSO, David, because as before we hit record, I asked, um, you know, where, where do most f- folks mess up here? You had two really humorous uh, pieces of advice that honestly, I can see most dentists forgetting about failing. I know I might if I were in the dentist's shoes. So David, if I'm thinking like a DSO might be at sale might be in my future and I know I don't own the building, what should I be thinking about in terms of the building uh, and the third party landlord just right from the jump? Yeah. So typically a dentist who's going to sell their practice 
and they don't own the real estate, they're leasing it from a third party, they believe they're just going to transfer the lease to the buyer. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The one thing that dentists never do is review the lease that they have, that they signed to begin with, to see what the implications might be for assigning that lease and whether they're even allowed to assign the lease to begin with. Um, though that is really critical is if you have a lease and you're going to transfer it, you need to review the lease or get the lease reviewed by an attorney to, so that you fully comprehend and understand what the implications are of assignment and if you're even allowed. The second thing is if you have a condo, um, then you need to make sure that you're reviewing the condo association documents and what implications those documents might have on your assignment and whether you're even allowed to assign your lease under the condo association documents. So it's like all roads lead to Rome. Rome is the contract. And if you're going to assign a contract, you need to read the contract to see what it says and what it speaks to as far as assignment is concerned. <laughs> okay. This is, this is so good. And again, if I were the dentist, I would make this mistake. Okay. So full disclosure, no one is casting shade here. Uh, they're throwing shade, casting stones. Um, but what you're saying, David, is so obvious, but so easy to miss. If you're thinking about a sale, go into your, you know, Gmail folder from 2009 uh, when you actually had the, the DocuSigned, you know, PDF of the actual lease. Hopefully you've got it saved somewhere on a, on a secure drive somewhere <laughs> or you've printed it off and it's in a desk drawer, but actually pull it out. And you're just saying, hey, pull it out and read it. See what the rules are of assigning the lease. And oh, by the way, it's not just the lease. If you don't, if it's not a standalone building and there's some kind of condo association or, um, you know, group rules of some kind around your commercial space, go read those two. So go read two documents. And, and you threw it in as an aside, Liam, um, I got to think me as a dentist, I'm doing dentistry all day. I'm clinically focused, reading legal documents. I may miss some things. So it seems like kind of a no-brainer to just call you and have you do it. Uh, yeah. Is this the kind of thing I would do ahead of time before I even start talking to DSOs? Yeah, we, we would recommend that you, you do that ahead of time. Um, reach out to us. You could send us a copy of the lease and the condo docs or any of the other underlying governing documents for that property. And we can review them and, and, and let you know. I, I think just to kind of explain this, though, the reason why that is important is because in an assignment, that DSO is basically stepping into your shoes as a tenant and performing and assuming all of the, those obligations applicable to you as a tenant. And yep. so they need to know that basically your house is in order before they're going to step in there and start taking it over and operating. Um, okay. it's, it's really important. Yeah, you're kind of doing the uh, the marriage counselor thing where the counselor says, well, think about it from your spouse's perspective. So. In this case, you're, you're saying, think about it from the landlord's perspective. Landlord owns the building. You're a dentist. You keep paying your rent. You're great. You're quiet. You're, you're not a CrossFit gym dropping weights and you know curry smells from the Indian restaurant, whatever. Um, so you're a good tenant. The dentist is obviously thinking, what's the big deal? Like DSOs are richer, um, you know, bigger than me. Why would a third-party landlord have a problem with that? And what you're saying is, well, put yourself in the landlord's shoes. Landlords don't speak dental. They don't know what a DSO is. They don't know that they're either more or less financially solvent. All they know is there's other business now is coming in and it's going to be responsible for the rent. And, and they don't know up from down. So recognize the fact 
and this is a truism in all transitions, private or DSO. If there's a third party landlord, the deal goes slower. Okay. So let me ask you one question. Then I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you a price question, Liam, uh, and then I'm going to ask you for pitfalls. But um, I, I laugh because I can hear the dentist saying, well, of course, Liam, the attorney wants me to review some documents because he's going to make some money if I do that. So first of all, how long would it take for me as a dentist to send you my condo association rules and my lease? How long does it take you to review something like that and tell me if there's any pitfalls? And is, is this a $250 bill or a $20,000 bill? Like, where am I going to land price wise? Yeah. So we're, I mean, if you come to us after with the, I think it's important to understand this. So we're going to have to review it either way. So, you know, the reason that we would encourage you to come to us before you sign the LOI with the DSO is because we can advise you on how to potentially modify that lease or to make changes to it um, or or to navigate some of those uh, landmines that might be in there in advance, uh, which could not only help close your DSO sale faster, um, but it, it, it could add additional protections to you as an assignee or assignor, because oftentimes the landlord is not going to release you from that lease. So it, it's just an added protection to you. So um, you're saying, you're saying, Hey, Brian, it's not about the fees. It's about the fact that we can do our job better down the road. If you ever do sell to a DSO. Yeah, and, and exactly. We, we can help you close that, that transact. It will help you close the transaction faster, potentially. Yeah. Um, that but, being said, yeah, roughly yeah. how much are my fees going to be? Uh, I would defer to David on that one, um, yeah, yeah, but it, it, it yeah, it de- it depends really yeah, on yeah. on the ballpark's, on the lease, the length fine. of the lease. It depends, but yeah, ballpark's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, in general, I would say it's you know probably a ten to fifteen thousand dollar thing, but if it's combined in a DSO deal, I can speak for our firm. Our firm typically packages it in a discounted way in probably the five to ten k range. Cool. Um, and so, but I can't speak for other firms that sure, might not sure, sure. on it. No, I think yeah. uh, you guys are, you guys do. I wouldn't say, uh, I, Tiffany service, maybe not Walmart prices because the service is so good, but you guys certainly are not the most expensive out there. I know that for a fact. Okay. Um, and so like Liam said, about- they're going to pay for it anyway, because yeah. I mean, unless they want to be the negligent dentist that we referred you to start this with, where they don't even look at it or review it. I mean, they're going to need to get it reviewed either way. Yeah, because the uh, the horror story to avoid here, and I think let me paint a picture for the dentist listening, is all right, you had the steak dinners with the DSO. You saw some eye-popping numbers. You get excited. You talk to your spouse. You're going to take the plunge. You're going to sell to a DSO. You assume the lease isn't going to be a big deal, and suddenly it is. Okay. Well, now you're in time. You're in money. You've done appraisals. You've uh, invested money with David and his team. And um, there's costs, there's stress. You've, you've found every piece of paper for the practice for the last 10 years. That took you a lot of time. And now come to find out the landlord may not let you sell to DSO. That's what we're trying to avoid. And okay, I got it. Okay, let's assume that um, there, there are no condo association rules that are going to prevent me from selling to a DSO. Let's assume um, the lease is assignable that we can kind of get through the gauntlet and get to the close of a deal. Along the way, Liam, I imagine there are some pitfalls here to avoid or, or some things to watch out for. Uh, first of all, is that true? And if so, what are they? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and really, it's from kind of the eyes of the DSO, what they're looking for here and what could potentially pop up. Um, 
when a, when a request for an assignment is made. Um, so th there's two there's two issues, I guess, or two two things you have to look at. One from what would occur as an assignment request happens, and then from a DSO's perspective, what they're inheriting as as an assign assign or uh, or assignee, excuse me. Um, and and so even though the lease might be assignable, there might there may be provisions within that lease that they don't want to be in there. Um, so that would typically require a modification or an amendment to the lease, which again, the landlord may not agree to. Um, and okay. it's not just, I, I think it's important to emphasize this. It's not just the landlord. Oftentimes in these larger, um, larger shopping centers or office buildings, there's a lender involved and the lender really is the, the lender for the landlord. They are the ones that are going to call the shots. Hmm. And it's not just with, um, you know, agreeing to the certain certain modifications in the lease, but it's actually agreeing to the to the right to assign it. Um, the lender has is often concerned with allowing assignments. They've done their underwriting on these tenants. They understand who they are um, and their creditworthiness. And even though a DSO might, you know, have equal to greater creditworthiness than a tenant does, the lender is not familiar with that. Okay. Uh, with that tenant. So it's not, yeah, it's not Jack Smith, the landlord. It's Jack Smith who borrowed money from Wells Fargo and Wells right. Fargo saying, Hey, you can or can't do X, Y, Z. Okay. So right. I'm aware of that. Um, yeah. so the, the second pitfall being the second pitfall you named was, um, the DSO might want to change the lease. They might want to take provisions out, add provisions, et cetera. And I'm sorry, I missed it. What was the first, um, the first pitfall or well, yeah. So I, I actually, so they're not. Let me let me just be clear. So the, the those are just two areas of concern. So the the pitfalls though that you're going to be looking for are a recapture right or a profit sharing right. Um, these are underneath the assignment and subleasing. Uh, it really falls under that umbrella, and you'll see these um, oftentimes in, in shopping center leases or larger office building leases. Um, and just to kind of break those apart really quickly and, and touch on each one individually, your recapture right is I go to you as a landlord and I say, can I assign my lease? The landlord says no and actually can terminate the lease and directly lease it to that tenant or subtenant that you're assigning to um, or that you intend to assign, assign the lease to. That's a major concern for, for, for obviously from a tenant's perspective because the lease terminates, but more specifically for dentists, because they're making significant capital improvements into that space. And so if the landlord can arbitrarily terminate the lease, the landlord would arguably be unjustly enriched by all of the capital improvements that you've made to that space. Um, so it's important that you know you, you try to remove that if you can, or you're you're at least not that that at least that provision not be in the lease. Um, you know when 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 you sign it. Did I hear you right? That just asking the question, "Hey, can I lend or can I assign this lease to a DSO?" might trigger a cancellation of the lease. Yes. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And so those are two the two solutions we will present if you if if the if. If there's a landlord that's refusing to eliminate a recapture provision um, from the lease, one counter that we will we often is is a, is a fair compromise is that you treat it almost like a right of first refusal, where just requesting the recapture or excuse me, requesting the assignment does not trigger the recapture. Um, you actually have to have a, a an offer by an assignee and that assign and you want to pursue that. 
um, offer. So that's that's one solution. The other one would be to for for the tenant um, or the landlord to receive from the uh, or the tenant to receive from the landlord the unamortized cost of those leasehold improvements that you've made to the space. So if they're going to just have the right to terminate, you should be compensated for those improvements, the unamortized portion of those improvements you made to the space. Um, because again, dentists are, are unlike your your traditional retail tenant. They're not going to. They're going to be making significantly more uh, yeah. capital improvements to that space. Okay, interesting. And you used a, a phrase. Uh, I wanted you to clarify a little bit. You said profit sharing. Now, accounting world, profit sharing is you know it's like an ownership thing, or it's somehow tied to my four hundred one k. I get the sense that's not what you mean. What did you mean by that phrase? No. So there, it's similar to in this again, it's all under this umbrella of assignment and subleasing. Um, they're they're we'll see it often in shopping center leases where a landlord will have the right to receive a portion of the profits from the assignment or subleasing or sale uh, of that practice. Um, you'll see these provisions that are drafted uh, extremely broad with language that says any profits arising out of the transfer of that lease um, or the transaction involving the transfer of that lease will uh, the landlord ha- is entitled to receive all or a portion of those profits. Um, Wait, let's, hold on. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. I bought my practice 12 years ago for a million dollars. Brian came in and valued my practice at 2 million and a DSO says they're going to buy it for 4 million. Okay. Um, the 4 million, let's, let's ignore accounting rules and basis and all of that for a second. Let's just say 4 million minus 1 million is profit of 3 million. You just told me, Liam, and I think I would, I think I just heard you say was the landlord somehow gets some of my $3 million in profits. Is that right? Yeah. Unfortunately, there are provisions in tenants leases that we will come across that will entitle the landlord to, to have, to, to receive yeah. all, all of it. I can't All imagine. or a portion of it. Yeah. I can't imagine a lot of dentists are happy about that. If that's yeah. in there, that, that's gotta be a deal killer in most cases, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and there are ways to work around it. Um, what, what we typically see though, are, are what we typically see is that provision applying to a landlord, um, that just wants to receive any additional rent that the tenant receives from a subtenant. Um, yeah. you'll see this when, you know, uh, the lease will be below market or, you know, whatever at a, in a market rate at the time they sign it. But for whatever reason, in, in a, in a high inflationary period, such as we're in right now, rent might increase. Uh, and so the tenant sees this as an opportunity to go to the market and, and sublease it for that higher rent. Um, the landlord's argument is I should be entitled to that additional rent. Um, the compromise is typically 50, 50, because again, a, a landlord that insists on receiving all of the profits, um, gives the tenant no reason to make a profit. So the idea is that you split it kind of 50, 50, um, the tenant gets a portion of that additional, um, rent and then the landlord receives the other half. Um, but, but that's typically how this would apply. It's unfortunately not always the case. And you'll see these provisions drafted, um, extremely with with just extremely broad language. Um, and, and there's a variety of reasons why, but what we, what we think is, it's just to disincentivize the sale of the practice, the sale of the business. It's the seller that sold to the buyer 12 years ago, pulled the contract of the lease off of, you know, somewhere. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't use Cohen Law Firm PLLC. Well, one other just really quick ad, sorry, yeah, is that it's not always black and white, Dennis, out there. It's not always just going to say, upon assignment, you will share 10% of the profits of your sale yeah. to the buyer. It can be very tricky. It can be it can be written in a way that you would even not even interpret it as talking about doing this, and it's probably done that on done that way on purpose. Yeah. And so you really need to get an attorney to review that lease to make sure that there's nothing in there. Let me recap the episode because um, I, I think there's one major theme going through the discussion here. Okay, I'm a relatively intelligent guy. I'm not as smart as my dentist clients. Uh, they're smarter than me in almost every case. <laughs> if you're, don't wonder if you're the almost. If you're wondering if you're the almost, you're not. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, and, and I've read my lease and my eyes start to glaze over. And um, so what I'm hearing is kind of two main takeaways from this episode. Takeaway number one is if you have a third party landlord, there's more to think about and your deal has more potential pitfalls and probably will go slower. Uh, agree, disagree? Agree. Agreed. And then takeaway number two is um, very, very important to have someone with dental, legal, real estate experience review both my lease and any HOA slash condo association, whatever rules around what's going to happen if I even initiate a conversation around bringing in a DSO. Because there can some, be some things that get triggered that uh, A, can kill the deal, B, might be crazy like me sharing part of my $3 million in profits, which again, is like asinine to me, but I, I, I totally, I believe you guys and I, I can absolutely see how that happens. And, um, and, and there's just, you know, other things to think about when there's a third party landlord and having somebody uh, review the lease ahead of time and be on my team during the process is going to be crucial. That's kind of the main, the second main takeaway that I'm getting from this, uh, as you guys share some of the specific reasons why. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that you guys agree with that. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just uh, use Chat GPT as my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. Well, guys, uh, this is super, super helpful. Um, thank you. And, and before we wrap, any last words on real estate that we haven't talked about? I think we've covered this in pretty good detail. Is there anything we've forgotten to mention? Okay. I don't think so. I mean, there's, there are always more things that can be talked about and we can get in the weeds, but these are really the true essentials for the dentists out there. And I also think that it's critical for the dentist. Once again, we've already said it. I'm going to say it again. Don't treat real estate and leasing as secondary. It is primary, just like the sale of the practice. It's important and you need to review the lease. If you're going to be doing a lease assignment, you know, pertinent to this um, this episode, love it. Okay, we're getting into uh, some common mistakes, uh, how to think about the deal in general uh, in episodes 15 and beyond. But uh, Liam, I think this might be the last time we talk to you. Hopefully, it's not. But maybe we can get you in on another episode. But as our real estate guru, we just want to say thank you for being here. Uh, and so, David, Liam, thank you for being part of the DSO uh, the DSO decision. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us.